Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. First uh, John chapter 2, let's look at his word and let him speak to us through his word and then maybe through the energy that's inside of us. Those of you that are new, you might be wondering, energy, what is he talking about? I'm not talking about chi or chakra or, um, <laughs> or, or your two-year-old. <clears throat> I'm not talking about emotions. I'm not talking about some kind of mysticism, although it is sort of mystical. It is the energy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is a person moving inside of us. And uh, we get that from a lot of different scriptures. Actually, the, the Greek word for energia is mentioned, I think it's 34 times in the New Testament. Um, but if you Google uh, energy, God's energy in the Bible, you're not going to find that um, because it's never translated as energy. I think that's because us Westerners are kind of scared to sound Middle Eastern. But uh, the Bible was written, newsflash, in the Middle East. So um, it's going to sound a little bit, you know, un-American. Um, so I think that's all right. I think, it, I think we can embrace that. Um, and actually, God's energy and this concept of energy is just, is just throughout Scripture, various um, key verses that you've grown up listening to if you grew up in the church. Um, maybe even if you didn't, uh, you have heard about these verses, and yet the word energy is packed in there. And this is one of those in 1 John chapter 2, verse. Um, let's go to verse 20. Uh, it says... Oh, I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong passage. All right, hold on. Chapter two, uh, verse twenty. Uh, let's see. What's that? Yeah, no, I, I don't even. I guess I don't have it. I have it pulled up. That's that says twenty eight, but that's actually twenty, isn't it? Yeah, some some uh, typo typo. That's what's throwing me off. It is a zero, but it's one of those electronic zeros. It says, but you, and this is the word but, this is to distinguish from the people he was talking about previously. Uh, he was talking about people that were deceived and deceiving others. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And that word anointing is energia, which means an energy. You have an energy that's been given to you, working on the inside of you, stirring up on the inside of you, something that's been given to you from the Holy One. And because of that, he says, you know all things. So last week, the title of the sermon was, I know everything. Uh, because if you, if you are walking with God and if you have received his divine energy, you don't know the details about everything, but you know everything. His Spirit reveals it to you. And so we talked about last week how when the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you, you'll sense things. You might not see things, but you'll sense things. And sensing things is actually more powerful than seeing things. Because you can see things, but if you see it and don't sense it, you don't know if it's real. But if you sense it and don't see it, you know that it's real anyway. And that's why faith is the, sub the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things unseen. Well, faith isn't evidence. I thought faith was, was trusting in something I can't see. It is. And when you do that, when you put your faith in God, even though you can't see God, yet he's more real than the things that you can see, 
And that's that's true, like in a in a biblical sense, but it's also true in like in in metaphysical studies. Uh, they're finding that that reality is far less concrete than we could imagine. There's actually a lot more empty space in this pulpit than there is actual material because of the space between all the atoms. So it gets really interesting when you start zeroing down what exactly is matter. Matter is made up of atoms. Atoms are made up of energy. Like at the center of every atom is this ball of energy. So what is that? This thing is made up of energy. So for me to say that God is working inside of me, working his energy inside of me, I mean, it's being very physical and, and spiritual at the same time. So you're not just a physical body. You're not just a physical body. That's why sin in the physical body affects the spirit man, because it's not just a physical body. It's literal energy that you are creating with your body. And these things are happening. And then God says, this verse says that God has given us an energy, which is different from the energy of your flesh. It's different from the energy of this world and of this culture. It's different from your social media energy. <laughs> it's different from your physical, emotional energy. It's, it's different from the way you were raised. It is from the Holy One. It is from God. Yet that God has given us this energy. And because of that, we know all things. And it doesn't mean that we know the details of all things, but it does mean that we we know everything that we need to know, that we can step into every situation in life and that we can walk with confidence. He crowns me with confidence, as we were just singing about. He crowns me with confidence because I'm seated in heavenly places. That's a spiritual reality. You don't look physically like you're seated in heavenly places. <laughs> you're seated on a fold-up uh, chair, you know, with, with, with about two and a half inches of cushion. But, but spiritually speaking, you can be physically seated on a fold-up chair with two and a half inches, but spiritually you can be seated in heavenly places. And the heavenly places is as real, if not more real, than the fold-up chair that you're sitting on or, or the couch that you're sitting on. That we can be seated. When we're singing about that, we mean literally right now we are seated in heavenly places. We don't mean we will be seated. We're going to be seated. There will be a day when we're raised up there and then we land up there and then we get. No, but but in the, and our spirit man is is literally seated in heavenly places. Yeah, it's in scripture. You can you can Google it if you want. Do a little Google search on it. Get get to Bible.cc or whatever your favorite passage for and, and, and then read it and then put your faith in it. And when you put your faith in it, it becomes the evidence of what you cannot see. So it becomes it becomes evident, evident, evident to you that, that you are seated in heavenly places. And this is from God's energy being placed inside of us. And because of this. It says, he says, I, I'm not writing to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. <laughs> like this, this letter was written to the churches, not because people didn't know the truth, but because they did know it. Because they had an energy that had, been, had come from the Holy Spirit inside of them, working inside of them, revealing to them the truth of God's word. He says, I'm writing to you because you do know the truth. This is why... This is why if, if you start reading scripture and you start feeling condemned or ignorant, that energy is not from God. Because right here, he says, I'm not writing to you because you're stupid. I'm not writing to you because you're ignorant. I'm writing to you because I believe that you do actually know the truth. And what he's doing is he's reinforcing what God is already saying inside of people. He is, he is giving a, a, a physical thing to the outside that correlates with the spiritual thing on the inside. And it's confirmation. 
He said, I'm writing to you because you do know the truth. But then this is key. He says, and no lie is of the truth. I think the NIV says no lie comes from the truth. Now that seems pretty evident, right? When you read that, you think, well, yeah, no kidding. And then you just kind of skip on. And that's generally how I've read this passage. No lie comes from the truth. Okay. And, 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 and what's interesting, though, this is going to be very important because let's, let's read on and then we'll come back. Verse 22, he says, who is the liar? In other words, what am I talking about in terms of this lie? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the, acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, what he's talking about, and he's going to get into verse, down in verse 26, which we're not going to get into today. But he says, I'm writing to you about those who are trying to deceive you. And we've been talking about this since the beginning, since we started 1 John chapter 1, that the purpose of this letter was really to fortify the church against deception. Because this is the, this is, uh, the oldest living apostle. This is probably written around 95 to 110 AD. So he's old. He's old even for today's standards. I'm talking about A.D., like, you know, after Jesus uh, was buried, raised from the dead, went up to heaven, John's still kicking. Like, he's, he's, he's an old man. And so Jesus would have died around 33, 35 A.D., something like that. And so you add, you know, 60 years to this. John was around 18 or 20 when Jesus died. He's around 80. He's somewhere between 80 and 100 years old as he writes this, which is old even for our day, but especially back then when the cold could take you out. They didn't have penicillin, by the way. <laughs> so they had all kinds of stuff. Uh, like the flu could take you out. Like you could, you die of, of all kinds of things. You know, this is like back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if you played the, the video game where you're, you're, you're the road to Oregon and, and dysentery will take you out. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, that was the, nowadays, it's not a thing. It used to be a thing. And so John has survived not only persecution, but survived just living in these conditions. And he's almost could be 100 years old. And he's writing to you. This is, this is believed to be the last letter, the last bit of the New Testament that was ever written. John also wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, most believe that he wrote this after the book of Revelation, though. And so this is the final sort of say to the church. And he's saying, look, they're, 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 I've, I've lived long enough. I've been around long enough. John's been around long enough. He's, 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 he's witnessed the incoming deception and, and how it is infiltrating the church. And these deceivers, he calls them antichrists. Anti uh, Christ, anti. Uh, we, our word for anti means against, but uh, the Greek word for anti means to replace something with something else. It means to put like two faces together. That's, that's, that's the idea. It actually means face to face. So the idea is that it's not that these people are against Jesus. It's not that they're bad-mouthing Jesus. It's that they are cozying up to Jesus and replacing Jesus with the fake version of Jesus. So the Antichrist is not somebody who is a Satanist. <laughs> You're not going to get your Nike shoes with blood in it or anything like that. Like, he's not wearing that stuff. He's preaching against that stuff. The Antichrist is in the church. The Antichrist is concerned about the things of God, supposedly. He's so concerned that he wants to present a Jesus that's more palatable, that works a little bit better than the other Jesus. And so he presents, he replaces Jesus with somebody else. And I say he, but it could be a he or a she. And it's not just one person. John says that there is a spirit of Antichrist or replacing Christ. 
There's a spirit of that, 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 that this spirit is not happy with the way Christ is by himself. And so that we need to make him fit our lifestyle better. We need to make him fit our energy better. And so we, we make him conform to what we are feeling. Instead of inviting the person of Jesus into our hearts and allow his energy to fill us and change us from the inside out. So my, t- my sermon title today is I'm still, I, I still know everything. That's, that's it. I still know everything. This is I know everything part two, I guess. Because I, I, just, I just feel like I want to dig into this a little bit further. Is it how, the, the, or really why I can say that I know everything. And the first one is, is because my source is Jesus. My source is Jesus Christ. And this is what uh, John is saying. John is saying you need to be careful that you don't replace that source or, or get a, a counterfeit source. And, and so, so if, if we could go back uh, to the earlier verse, I think it's verse 22, uh, no, verse 21, where he says, no lie comes from the truth. No lie comes from the truth. What, what he's doing, it, it, instead of John addressing all of the, the, the arguments of his day, the deception of his day, he doesn't really address them like that. Instead, he gives us, uh, the church 2,000 years ago and us in 2021, a template for how to determine what is true. And the way that he does that, he says, look, no lie will come from the truth. And while that seems very common, how many of you have ever, uh, have ever had the right facts but come to the wrong conclusion? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, just watch CNN or Fox, and you're going to see a lot of fact-checking, but not a lot of conclusion-checking. They are, they, are, they, are, they are checking facts, but they are not checking the conclusions that they're reaching. You can have the right facts and come to the wrong conclusion. You can have great facts and come to horrible conclusions. Uh, the, the people of Israel, God leads them out of Egypt, right? In the book of Exodus, he leads them out of Egypt. And instead of leading them, he says he's taking them to the promised land, to Canaan. But instead of going straight to Canaan, he makes a, he makes a, a south turn and he goes down and he traps them basically, against a barrier called the Red Sea. They're camping out at the Red Sea because that's where his spirit stops. He hangs out. The energy of the Holy Spirit just hangs out right there. And, and they're feeling the energy of, they, hey, we need to keep moving, right? But they don't know where to go, and so they camp out. They pitch tents, and they're just, hey, I guess this is a camping trip. We're going to sit here on the shores of, of, of the Red Sea. We can get some water. We can splash around. The kids can play. And then they wake up the next day and realize that their enemy is actually trailing them to kill them. They had no idea they were even following them, but now God has made them stop long enough to give his enemies a chance to catch up. And they turn around, and the entire army of Egypt is coming to them. And their facts are completely right. God led them to a place where they were stuck. God allowed the enemy to trail and chase and catch up with them, but their conclusion is way off. They cry out to Moses and they say, has God led us into the wilderness to kill us? All the right facts, completely wrong conclusion. You can have the right facts and come to the wrong conclusion. Uh, on, on Easter Sunday morning, right, the women get to the tomb. And uh, they, they, the, 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 Jesus is, has been raised from the dead and they, they have the right facts. His body is not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. The grave is empty. And instead of writing, you know, glorious day, they, they walk out and they're weeping. 
Mary's weeping on, on Easter Sunday morning. Jesus is not in the tomb. His body's not there. It's all, his grave clothes are all folded up nicely. She, she gets the right facts and comes to the wrong conclusion. What is the conclusion? She tells the, the guy she thinks is a, is, a, is a gardener, she says they've stolen his body. And now I can't prepare it. Now I can't put the spices and stuff on it to get it ready for, for, uh, for, 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 for burial. They've stolen his body. She got the right facts and came to the wrong conclusion. But no lie will come from the truth. So if you've come to the wrong conclusion, your facts may be perfectly fine. But your source of your facts is, is as important as the facts. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and they have perfect relationship with God. They're, they're walking before him in the cool of the day. They're hanging out with him all the time, and then they sin. And when they sin, God comes down to meet with them, right? And they go hide from God, which is silly, right? <laughs> but I'm sure none of you have ever done that. They, they go hide from God, and then God comes down, and he says, Adam, where are you? Which is also a silly question. Because God knows where Adam is. But what's interesting, what's even, what's even crazier about this story is not the fact that God said, where are you? Which I've always found to be odd. Because if you're God and if you want to prove it, if you want to show how powerful you are, you're going to be the best at hide and seek. Just period. You're going to be the hide and seek champion. But not God. He walks around like I used to with my toddler. Where are you? You know, you're playing hide and seek. And he just calls out, where are you? But what's interesting is Adam answers. <laughs> Wait, I don't know if you've ever played hide and seek before. The number one rule of hide and seek is if somebody says, Where are you? You don't tell them. <laughs> Which tells me that Adam, when, when the Bible says he hid from God, it doesn't mean he ran into the bushes because he thought God couldn't see him. He's answering, therefore, he knows that God knows where he is. So hiding from God is not skipping church <laughs> hiding from God is not uh, I'm not I'm, 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 I'm gonna skirt around the issue I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go over here that's not hiding from God is merely not going to the place where you know you'll meet him and so Adam it's not that he I don't even know if he was behind anything I don't know if he was behind a tree or in a bush he was naked, probably not. That's not a good idea to get up in those bushes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not going to be comfy. But he just simply didn't go where he knew he would meet with God. And God, it's not that God couldn't see him. God just simply wanted to know where he was at. Not where he was at. And so he calls out. He says, where are you, Adam? In other words, why are you not here why are you not meeting with me where you normally meet with me why are you not connecting with me and adam realizes that's the question because adam doesn't answer i'm over here he answers why he's wherever he is he said i was naked we were naked and we were ashamed so we hid and then god Ask the, now, now are, are, are Adam's facts correct? Yeah, 100% correct. He was naked as a jaybird. <laughs> He's butt naked. He's, in, in Texas, they say naked. That's naked. That neck, it's not naked, it's naked. He, was, he didn't have any clothes on. And so the facts are correct. But God, like, 
God doesn't question the facts. God questions the source. He says, who told you? Because this is what's most important. And this is what happens for, for many of us, right? We, we, we get correct facts from the wrong source. And the wrong source with the correct facts will produce the wrong conclusion. So Adam has the right facts. And you and I often have the right facts. Right? I was angry with my kids. So I didn't pray today. I didn't go where I knew God would meet me because I didn't feel I was worthy to meet with him today. Right? Or I, I, I was lustful. So I didn't go to church because I didn't go where I knew I would meet God because I, I didn't feel worthy to meet with him today. Or I was inebriated last night, so I didn't go to where I would meet him because I, because, because I don't feel like I'm ready to meet with him right now. And God doesn't address, were you inebriated? Were you angry? Were you lustful? Were you addicted? He doesn't even ask those questions because the facts are correct there. Did you have a bad attitude with your brother? Did you hit him? Were you mean? Were you angry? None of that. All of that, the fact, he's got the facts wrong, but he got it from the wrong source. So he says, who told you? It is more important who told you that you were angry, who told you that you were lustful, who told you that you were addicted, who told you that you were mean, who told, it is more important that you know where that came from. Because if you don't, you will come to the wrong conclusions. You will accept the truth of your condition, but you will come to the wrong conclusion as to the next steps. Because Adam received the truth from his flesh. His flesh told him he was naked. His eyes told him he was naked. His pride told him he was naked. And he accepted the truth from those three angles. And from those three angles, the only conclusion you can reach is shame. I am ashamed, therefore I need to hide. His facts were absolutely correct, but the source was wrong. You, you cannot operate with, this, with the energy of the Holy Spirit if you're receiving facts from the wrong source. That's why, that's, that's, that's why when God deals with Adam, he doesn't deal with his nakedness initially. He deals with the source of it. He says, who told you you were naked? And that's when the whole thing starts unraveling. Uh, Adam starts talking about the snake and the, and the story and all of that. And then God brings more revelation to the situation. Because it's not just nakedness wasn't the result of his sin. God brings more revelation into that. And so sometimes people are afraid of talking to God because they don't want to hear the more revelation. Right. So for them, it's easier to say, well, I'm naked and I'm ashamed of that, as opposed to this idea that what I have done has opened up the curse to come into the entire world. And the ground is cursed because of me. My wife is cursed because of me. My children will be affected because of it. Like, we don't want to see that. So we're really hiding from ourselves as much as we're hiding from God. We're hiding from the real consequences. But what's, what's, what's wonderful about God is even as he delves deeper and he starts peeling back some of the real consequences of what we've been doing, he's always, bring, always bringing hope with that. Right? He, tell, he tells the man that, you know what, you, you shall eat. You're just going to have to work from now on. But you're not going to starve. It's going to be difficult, but you're going to be able to do it. It's going to be difficult. And then you read Ecclesiastes and you find that God's purpose is in, the, is in the pain. God's purpose is in the difficulty. You're going to get to know me better, Adam, because of your work. You're going to be closer to me because of the sweat of your brow. Because of having to hold down a job and, 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 and get things done. And, and, and the wife is the same thing. He says, look, look you know, producing children is not going to be painful for you. 
But it will be from you that the Messiah will come. You will birth something significant. So your pain won't be worthless. It's not just, it's not just pain and then you die. No, it's pain with some purpose to it that you're producing something. And even after Christ was born, we're still producing uh, Christ's followers. We're still raising up godly families. We're still, we're still building his kingdom on the earth. And so there's still a purpose in the midst of all of our pain, whether it's childbearing or working out in the field or whatever it is you're doing, there is still purpose in it. And so when God speaks, when his energy starts moving, he gives, he gives hope, he gives truth, he gives, he gives, he gives confidence Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, right? I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And then in verse 19, he says, I give you authority to trample on the serpents and trample on the scorpions. He brings hope. This is why if you read the Bible and you feel condemnation, you're not, you're not listening to the right source. And so you say, well, then, well, then how, how can I listen to the right source? Well, you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Well, I say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. I want your energy. You first deny your own energy and the energy of your culture and the energy of your understanding. You first deny your, your emotions because your emotions will lie to you. <laughs> your emotions will tell you that you're, that you're dying when really God's about to split the Red Sea and create a miracle in your life. Your emotions will tell you that they've stolen the body of Jesus when really he's conquered death, hell, and the grave and he's standing in front of you. Your emotions will tell you all kinds of things, but it's not necessarily true. Your emotions will bring correct facts, but wrong conclusions. And so you have to, when I say sensing or, or the energy of the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about your emotions. So you need to be careful. Prayer time is not you sitting around trying to feel good about something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, that's not praying. Praying is where you are communing with God and you are picking up on the rhythm of heaven, which is different than your own rhythm. It, if it's not, then, you're, then you're, you're not touching the rhythm of heaven. You're still stuck in your own. It has to be transcendent because God is transcendent. I mean, he's your best friend and all, but he's transcendent. He's revealed himself as a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. But above that, there is a God who is unknowable and un, unknown. Beyond the way he's revealed himself to us, there is an eternal essence that we're not, we don't have words for Surely, surely you haven't figured him out. Surely he doesn't fit inside the five pounds of fat in your head. Like it, it doesn't work that way. These synapses don't fire that high on that high of a level. There's a God who is transcendent and present, transcendent and imminent. He is above and he is below. But, but the way that he comes below is not in the, in, through, through your feeling and through your emotion. It's the Holy Spirit. And so you open yourself up. You say, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to come fill me. I want his presence to fill me. And then you live in obedience to his word. And as you live in obedience to his word and as you open yourself up to his presence, he starts, you start to sense an, an energy beyond your emotions and separate than your emotions. Does that make sense? Which is why worship is not emotional necessarily. I mean, it can be. And people can feel like they had a worship experience and really they just had an emotional experience, right? Because it's, so, it's close. <laughs> it's close. It feels kind of like it. But when you've experienced the real energy of the Holy Spirit, you'll never go back to mere emotions. 
Because mere emotions can be manipulated by any kind of band, whether worship or Dave Matthews, you know? Like anybody that's good at music and, and timing and, and rhythm, like you can, you can start to manipulate emotions, but the Holy Spirit, you can tell even in worship here when people are worshiping out of emotion and when people are worshiping out of the energy of the Holy Spirit. You, you can sense that once you have actually worshiped with the energy of the Holy Spirit. But until then, it's really hard to explain. <laughs> but uh, James, I think it's James chapter 1, verse 5. We don't have this on the screen. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a popular passage about prayer. It says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I think King James avails much. The NIV says it's, it's very effective. It's very powerful and effective. The effectual, the effectual, fervent prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer. What does effectual mean? <laughs> It's weird, right? Well, guess what? <laughs> it's the word energia. Effectual means effective, uh, which is a Westerner's way of explaining the energy of the Holy Spirit. Well, it must be effective. In other words, it, might, it must help us get stuff done because that's how we like to work. We like to be productive. We want to uh, do stuff. But the Eastern mindset is different. They want to feel things. It's the difference between productivity and beauty. There's not one is right and one is wrong. Uh, they're both together. God created both of them. You can admire a beauty and you can use uh, the utility of a thing. Um, but anyway, it, we translate it effectual, but it's actually energia, which means the energy. Or a probably better way to say it is the energized prayer. The prayer that is the, the person who is praying energized, that prayer is powerful and effective. And it's interesting, the word uh, energia in this case is not uh, uh, the, 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 the verb, it's the participial phrase. So it's uh, ener, energumen is, is actually the word. But it's a participle, which means it can be a person. And an energumen 2,000 years ago was an actual title or a name for a type of person, specifically somebody who was uh, demon-possessed. And so uh, James uses the word, and when he could have just used a, a, a form of energia, instead he uses the participle uh, form of energia, which is energumen, evoking the concept of uh, spirit possession. And so the, the kind of prayer I'm talking about that is effective and powerful is the kind of prayer where it's not just you in your mind thinking of things to pray for and ask God for. But rather it is the, the possessed, <laughs> I don't want to use that word because that's not quite right, the infilled, the one where God is taking over. This is why praying in the spirit, praying in tongues is powerful because you, it shuts off your brain for knowing exactly what you're talking about. It shuts off your eyes. It shuts off many things. That's why a lot of times in prayer we close our eyes because the eyes can be a distraction to what the Spirit is doing. The eyes are fine for emotions, but when, when it comes to, the, to being possessed, <laughs> the most powerful prayers you'll ever pray aren't going to come from here, and they're not going to come from here. They're going to come from the Spirit of God inside of you who makes intercessions because we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the, His Spirit gives us utterance with groanings that cannot, be, that cannot be uttered. You can't put English to it necessarily. But this is the kind of prayer that is effective when the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you and literally he's taking over. 
And so you can, you can know everything when Christ is your source, and you can know everything when Christ takes over. And by take over, I don't mean you, you, you give up your free will, but I mean with your free will, you lay yourself down and you enable God to, be, uh, to come into you and to fill you in such a way that, well, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. <laughs> so people see me, and I'm looking more and more like him. I'm, I don't become him, actually, but he is taking over me. He is infilling me. He is, in a way, possessing me in such a way that my personality shifts and my history shifts. And people who knew me before don't know me now. And they wonder what happened to me. You ought to, something ought to have happened to you if you've received the energy of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I know a lot of times people are afraid, like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody and, and, and act better than them. I'm not better than them. I'm just different. I'm being controlled by something bigger than me. Something greater than me is driving this thing, and I'm still living. I'm still making decisions, but I'm checking in with him before every decision I make. So I, I talk different. I text different. I date different. I marry different. I go to church different. I choose what church I'm going to go to differently. I don't choose the one that meets my needs because they have the right programs. I choose the one that his energy is stirring me to go to. And he directs me. He guides me. And it's not by sight. It's by faith that I'm walking. So he's taking over, and this is how you can know everything. And one of the uh, good examples of this, just in nature, is uh, what we call a magnet, what I think, um, uh, what technically would be magnetite. So I brought this magnet with me just to, just to give an illustration. A couple of years ago, I shared this illustration. This is a magnet from our, our farm. The kids use this to pick up screws and nails in the driveway. It's very helpful. We give them 10 cents per, per screw because it saves us a lot of money with a discount tire. Uh, but um, it's not a super powerful magnet, but it's, this would be a, a, fake, a fake magnet. This would be a man-made magnet. And so Micah and I, this started a couple years ago, Micah and I were watching Backyard Scientist, and um, this guy had a, had a magnet, and he melted it down to a molten level. It was, it was all squishy and moving around, and then he let it cool down. And it was weird because it was no longer magnetic. If you melt down a magnet let it, and then let it cool down, it will lose its magnetism. And Micah and I were like, well, why is that? And so Micah, he was seven at the time. He said, well, I guess you're going to have to figure out why it was magnetic to begin with. What caused it to be magnetic to begin with? I said, that's a good question. So we went to Google, all right? And we went to YouTube University and we did a lot of like really, it, it, it's basically quantum physics. That's the, the easy way to say it. But what is quantum physics? I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I was in high school. I have no idea. I don't even remember fifth grade stuff. So I'm just working on a, an adult level kind of understanding of what I can actually use in my life. Quantum physics is not one of those things. But it was interesting to watch this video because they're, they were kind of trying to explain it to people like me. And the way that they explained it was basically this, this magnet here, even though it's a man-made magnet, was produced by connecting it to a God-made magnet. And, and this is what scientists will even tell you. Exactly why magnets are magne mag magnetic, they don't know. Bottom of the line, we don't know exactly why electrons, when they, when they are shaped like this, when they come in this particular set, when they're flying around in this particular pattern, why that produces a magnetic charge. We don't know. 
Same thing with gravity at the end of the day. We know mass and we can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can break it down in quantum physics and kind of figure some things out. But at the end of the day, exactly why it happens, we don't know. <laughs> well, I can tell you why it happens. God, like God's crazy like this. He created rocks, put them in the middle of mountains. For thousands of years, everybody thought it was just a mountain until one day somebody dug into the mountain, found a dark version of this rock, what we call magnetite. And we're like, oh, this is an, like an iron sort of substance. This is interesting. And then they held it up next to iron and it went clink. Like it, 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 was, it stuck to it. And this is like, you know, this is a long time ago. But for thousands of years, humans didn't even know it was there. God has, God made rocks with invisible force fields around them and just stuck them in mountains. He was like, they'll find this one day. It'll be, it'll be cool. This will keep them busy for a couple thousand years. They're going to be trying to figure this one out. But God's like that. I mean, he's, he has fish in the bottom of the sea we still haven't found yet. We don't know how in the world they live down there how they're surviving, right? Where there's no oxygen and no sun and no... But he just does it because it's for his pleasure. It's for his... He created us for his pleasure. So he likes watching us. He, he enjoys being glorified in our eccentricities and in our beauty and in our weirdness and in our strangeness. That's why he made giraffes because he's, he's got a sense of humor, you know? Like, I mean, like he just does. And he makes stuff, he makes fleas. You know, every time a flea jumps, it does a complete somersault mid-flight. Just FYI. It's not part of the sermon. That's free. It just does a complete somersault. And you say, why? Why does it do that? Because its back legs are so powerful that it fires itself and it does a flip. But it never does two somersaults per flight. They don't have competitions. They just, every time they jump, it's one somersault. And we, once again, we didn't know that until just recently because we got microscopes small enough to be able to see it and cameras to record it. And we said, oh, isn't that cool? And God's doing cool stuff like that all the time. And so that's why, like, like when I talk about faith, I'm talking about faith in a God who is currently doing so many things that you can't even comprehend and our most brilliant scientists can't quite explain. Right, he's doing stuff like that, like all the time, just for kicks and giggles. And so a magnet is one of those things. And so one day somebody, or, you know, dug out this magnetite. It's kind of a heavy rock. It looks kind of like iron, I think. It's dark, darkish brown, blackish brown. But it, it, it has properties within it which are different than other types of metals. Specifically, you have to zoom into the atomic level and you have to look at the individual atoms. And this is where it gets a little weird. But um, around every atom, you have electrons flying, right? Usually kind of sporadically flying around. So in a, in a regular substance, say um, uh, this tissue box over here, uh, this is made up of atoms with electrons that are flying around. The, the, the electrons in this tissue box will, will be in pairs, They'll be in pairs of two. There'll be two electrons always flying together, and they're flipped. So uh, there's a positive electron and a negative electron, and they're flipped so that the positive is touching the negative, and the negative is touching the positive. What that does is it cancels it out. So this tissue box is not magnetic, and it cannot be. So it's not a, it won't be attracted to this magnet. You can hold the magnet to the tissue box. It won't touch it, right? Same thing with, with, your, with your genes and, and various things because, because of the atomic, the, the structure of it. Because the electrons aren't set up for that. They're already canceling each other out. But what happens is, in magnetite, it's different. The electrons are different. One, uh, one thing that's different about the electrons is that they're not in pairs. So they're single electrons. 
Um, they're not in pairs, and they're looking. So because they're single, they're looking for something to connect with is the best way I know how to explain that. It's, it's like they're sending out a signal. This magnet is literally sending out an invisible signal uh, around it looking for other electrons. So if you have something that is magnetic, say uh, this, this uh, was this a wrench? Anyway. I just, I just started working on cars. I don't, I don't, I'm not technical. Is that, is, is that right? Is it a wrench? Yeah, this is a, it's a size 12. Okay, so I just grabbed this from... So what you do, like you set down a wrench. This is made of steel. I do know that. And so you take the, the, the magnet, and it'll, it'll attach uh, to the steel. Now, the, the, the reason why magnetite attaches to steel and doesn't attach to tissue boxes is because steel is a similar construction to the magnetite at the atomic level. So let me explain. The, the way, that, as I've been just praying about this and this energy of the Holy Spirit, I feel like God is very much like a magnet. Like he left us some of these things to explain his, his nature, right? So that we see nature and we say, oh, that's kind of that's like God. God is kind of like a magnet in that he's not satisfied in himself. Does that make sense? Like he's not canceling himself out. <laughs> He's, he's ever pulling things toward him. That's why he created everything, actually, because he was good by himself. So he's satisf- satisfied in that sense. But his goodness inside his own community, which I can't explain the Trinity, but within the community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, within that, the goodness, within that love spilled out and created everything that we see. It had to. And that's why he also created us to produce babies through a similar expression of love, right? Because it's supposed to be an overflow of community. Uh, Reproduction children are supposed to be an overflow because that's how God created all of us. He created us out of an overflow of his own community. And so he he is fully content within himself, but he is always pulling things in. He's always, he's, what, what does the old hymn say? Ever blessing, uh, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Ever blessing, ever blessed. He is always giving, but it never reduces anything from him. And he's always receiving and it never adds anything to him. And so just like this magnet, he is open to receive. And he's pulling, drawing all men to himself is what scripture says. He's drawing all men to himself. Why? Because he needs them? No, because he wants them. His heart is for them. His desire is for them. Not, not, not a need. It's not a lack. The, the magnet never changes its atomic structure. Even when it connects with other things, the magnet continues to be magnetic because it didn't need anything. It just draws things to itself because that's what it does. And I think God is drawing and calling people. But the problem is some of us are tissue box Christians. <laughs> We're not even Christians. We're just tissue boxes. And you can be right next to the, the, the spirit of God and not feel anything. You know, you can be right next. You can be in the same service, in the same church. You can listen to the same song and, and it, not, it not do anything to you. And it's not because the magnet's not working. But it, it has to do with the structure of the box. 
And this is why John keeps talking about how important it is that we are in the light and that the light is in us, that we are abiding in him and that he is abiding in us. Because if we abide in him, it changes something inside of us because we all used to be tissue boxes. And no matter how much people would argue with you and debate with you and send you Christian videos on YouTube, it didn't do anything to pull you any closer to God because there was there was something inside of you that just wasn't a, you were canceling yourself out. You were canceling yourself out with your addiction. You were canceling your hunger out with your, with, 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 with your attitude and with your anger. You were just, you were canceling this out so that you weren't receptive to the Holy Spirit. But then there came a time when something switched inside of you. Something shifted inside of you. Something moved inside. And this is why we, like, you don't need to beat people over the head. Dear Christians, don't, like, stop arguing with people on Facebook and trying to get them to think right. All you're doing is knocking around the tissue box. And you're just going to mess up tissue boxes. Like, stop it. We don't have enough of them around here anyway. Like, it doesn't work. The Holy Spirit isn't bashing people over the head, trying to get them to think right. Because it's not your thinking that's the problem. It's not the, this box's thinking is not the problem. It is its substance that is the problem. It must change somewhere on the molecular level in order to be magnetic. And some people just haven't gone through that change yet. And so let them be. There's enough, there's enough wrenches out there. <laughs> there's enough steel out there. There's enough people that have shifted that are hungry. This is why when he says the Antichrist, the Antichrist is not able to be saved, not because God won't save them, but because they are canceling themselves out. They're not open to God. They're, they're content with this life. They're already paired up with the, with the other electrons that they need. They have what they need. They're content. They're happy with this, this game called life, these 70 years that they get. This is awesome to them. This is enough to them. But it is to the ones who want more than that. It is the ones who need more than that, that God is calling and he's drawing. It's to the ones who think that there's more than, than, than this. And there's the greater, there's something bigger, there's something higher than themselves. Those are the ones, because you, you can't see it, but this wrench is also sending out a signal. And it's not magnetic as such. It is sending out a signal saying, I'm open. I'm available. I'm looking. I'm hungry. I'm desiring. I, 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 I got single electrons that need to be paired with something. And so, and so it's, it, it, it's a very strong metal but it's, it's open. Once again, coming to God doesn't mean that you're weak. It means that you're open, opening up yourself to him. And anyone, that's why he said, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how many Kleenexes you've had in your tissue box. But as soon as something shifts inside of you and you say, I need him <laughs> then that's, that's, that's literally all that it takes. Because when, when, Something inside of this magnet reacts to something inside of this wrench. <laughs> this wrench connects with the magnet. And what happens is the, the, the wrench literally comes into alignment with the magnet. Now the wrench is semi-magnetic. You could take another wrench and touch it to this wrench and it would, it would be more magnetic than it was before. It will never be as magnetic as the magnet. 
You can try. You'll never be as magnetic as the magnet. But you can be an extension of the magnet. And the magnet can literally flow through you because what's happening is this magnet is changing the, 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 the direction of the electrons in the steel to make it like itself. But the, the like itself thing happens only when the thing is connected to the magnet. It doesn't happen when it's just sitting on the floor. But it's literally happening right now. You can't see it, but it's happening. This is changing. At a, at a molecular level, this thing is shifting. It's different than it was 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Man, I just sense the Holy Spirit wants to make some people different than they were 30 seconds ago. 30 minutes ago. 30 hours ago. Hmm. Let's just, let's, let's just, I, you're, you're online, uh, those of us in the room, let's just pray right now. And by pray, I just mean open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday after I was done preaching, I came down and a lady who was in the back, she said, and I, I could see it when it happened. She said, you were just preaching and then, and then boom, I just felt the Holy Spirit just surrounding me. And I was just weeping, and she's trying to tell me the story, and then she just starts weeping some more. And so we end up, I'm just praying in the Spirit, putting my hand on her shoulder, and we're just sensing. We're not saying, but we're sensing what God is doing. And I know there's, there's, there's more than just sensing, absolutely. But you can't rush by the power of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is more than an emotion, Absolutely. Man, I just, <laughs> so I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to close my eyes. You all can close your eyes if you want. But I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you reveal, would you reveal to me that, that what you're doing right now? As we are here, would you reveal to us? what you're doing as we're putting our, our arms out in a posture of receiving. Hmm. Man, I just really sense like somebody has believed the, the lie of the enemy, that they ought to be ashamed, that they ought to hide. Hmm. And I feel like, I feel like the, 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 the Holy Spirit wants, just wants you to know that the facts are right, but the conclusion is wrong. And he's never stopped loving you. And he's never stopped pursuing you. And he never intends to. He is, he is calling and drawing and pulling. And the only thing necessary for the magnet is proximity is get close enough, which is why he said, Adam, where are you? If you can just come right here, Adam. <laughs> Man, you, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't, you don't even have to explain 
the nakedness or anything like that. You don't have to explain the anger or the whatever it was. You, you, can just, you can just come to him and literally just connect with him right now. You can connect with him right now. Yeah, and his presence will just overwhelm you almost. And it's not an emotion. It's a, it's a spiritual experience where you're receiving his energy, how he feels about you. You need to feel how he feels about you. I can't tell you how he feels about you. You have to feel it. Because it's a feeling. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to get close enough to him to feel how he feels about you. And there you will realize that he's not angry, that he's not looking to punish you, that he is wanting to reveal truth to you. He is wanting to reveal conviction, but then he wants to give you the power that even in the midst of the repercussions of whatever your actions have been, that there is hope and there is freedom there. And there is a newness. Like, yeah, it's all right. You can just express your emotions to him and express his energy, that his energy is moving in this place. <laughs> it's not uh, emotional thing. We don't need any music, but Father, we just open ourselves up to you. I feel like somebody else, I feel like there's like an intrepidation or a fearfulness about, about really following God. Like, uh, almost like you imagine it's like a it's like a roller coaster, like you're on the top and you're if I really give everything to God, he's just going to send me down this chute and I'm just going to go screaming down this path and I don't know what's going to happen. Man, but I have two pictures. I have a roller coaster picture. That's, that's your conclusion and it's wrong. As somebody who's followed God for years, it's not a roller coaster. There's, a, there's another picture. Isaiah 51 says, they that wait on the Lord... They will mount up with wings like eagles. And the way a, 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 a mom eagle teaches her baby to fly is she, she pushes them out the nest. And that's the part you saw, which you thought it was a roller coaster, but it's not. Because instead of just letting the baby fall, she flies down and catches him. So he falls and flaps, and it's scary. But then the eagle mom catches the baby. And then... Finally, when the baby starts to get some kind of flapping going, then she flies in front of the, the baby. And her massive wings, if you could see it, it's like creating these swirls of air, this updraft. And the baby eagle flies while being blown up by this updraft. This is what it is to follow him. It is to flap your wings under the fan of his under the, the, the powerful wind of his spirit. So that, yes, you flap and you work and, and, and it's faith. But there's this, there's this wind just blowing underneath you, lifting you up. It's not in your own strength. You don't have to do that. You receive it. You walk alongside it. Mm-hmm. I feel like somebody online, the Lord's speaking to them 
if I could have some prayer folks online, I know that some are watching, Pastor JT, different ones. Why don't you guys just pray into what God would have you type in there? Message for them. Lord, we don't want to exchange. We don't want to exchange Christ's. We want to place our flesh in charge. We want to receive from you, hear from you. usually do this, but if anybody else is sensing anything that is for the body or for somebody individually or specifically, feel free to raise your hand and call on you. I think it'd be good just to take a few minutes right here just to let him speak to us. Yeah, Manessa's, Manessa's saying that there are people who haven't sensed the Holy Spirit or felt him. Uh, and this is an opportunity to, 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 to experience him. It's more than an emotion. It's a spiritual experience where you, his spirit's interacting with yours. So let's do that. Uh, it's just, I, I know some of you need to leave, and that's fine if you need to leave. You can, you can, you can step out. It's, it's cool. Uh, we'll officially be dismissed. You're officially dismissed. If you, if you need to leave, no problem. Um, the kids are over there. You can pick them up, pick up your kids and stuff. But we don't usually do this. But let's just take some time for the laying on of hands. I know it's COVID and stuff, but we can be kind of distant. We got masks on. Um, how about right right over here? Um, Vanessa, if you want to come over. and um, Yeah, if anyone wants for us to pray over you or just.